0: Hey, welcome to the Miss you Day podcast. Check us out on the web at com. Mark 4, there we go. Uh, and Jesus, he, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Uh, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Um, the earth produces by itself, the first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain, and the ear all agrarians say amen Um, but when the grain is ripe at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come you guys all understand that um and he said with (laughs) with what can we compare the kingdom of god or what parable should we use for it it is like a grain of a mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth and yet when it is sown it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. The word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us one more time. Um, God, we thank you so much for this time to gather to be shaped as your people, as a community. Uh, We thank you for those who are here who are uh, just peeking over the fence into the faith. And I pray you um, stir our hearts today uh, towards your kingdom and the practicing the way of Jesus and falling more in love with your ways and who you are. Uh, and if you're someone who prays, I hope you do. Um, I just want to invite you to a moment of silence. Um, and if you don't pray, just the best way you know how, ask God to, to speak to you this morning. That w- We don't gather here out of ritual or routine, but to be shaped by God's vision. So um, ask God to shape you through his word. Well, God, we love you. And you guys can have a seat, um, my name is Brian, i um, one of the pastors here, uh, just got back from running a little 5K with my daughter, with 7,000 girls on the run, screaming ladies. Um, I don't run very often, so luckily my, my daughter walked a lot, uh, but yeah, it was great, so if I'm a little loopy today, it's because uh, I just got back from that, but um, we... We are in part two of just teaching on one of Jesus' parables um, in the Gospel of Mark, and Jesus would often speak in parables. If you've ever read the Bible or the Gospels, uh, and parables are an interesting thing. Um, they're they're those uh, they're 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 cryptic uh, and coded in a sense, and they're meant to be. Um, an invitation. Uh, they're meant to explain the mystery of God and how God's kingdom works. It actually was, you know, as teachers like me, it's our job. Usually we like give these illustrations to kind of like point to like a propositional truth. Um, but when Jesus taught, he would just like give the illustration and be like, I'm done. See it. Uh, and so they, they would explain the kingdom of God. And um, Bam taught last week, right? Uh, these two parables are meant to go together from last week and this week. Last week was this um, since that there's all these different soils and we're the soil and there's rocky soil and and and, and there's there's uh, shallow soil and there's good soil and, and we kind of all as individuals go through these seasons where we feel all of those things um, but he would he would tell this parable and then say you who have ears let him hear and then he would walk off it'd kind of be like me today just standing up in front of you and saying hey guys uh giordano's crust it's crusty lumaonati's sauce is amazing and Gino's east, sausage is juicy. He who has ears, let him hear. See? And just walk off, right? Like, that's kind of like what you'd be like, okay, what is he talking about? Um, and you were left. Uh, and it was a way that those, uh, it was an invitation in. And it was not to explain the kingdom of God with particular measure and tactic, um, but those who have intuitive hearts to have, to have eyes of faith. So parables have to be seen with the eyes of faith. Um, I love what Emily Dickinson says, is that they, they tell the truth, but they tell it slant. Uh, that they are meant to both comfort and um, confront uh, our world view. And so they reach in our experience and do something. They challenge us to rethink what was thought was normal, um, what we expect to see. Um, and they, they explain these great mysteries. Je- Jesus today, uh, I think God had a reason he didn't send Jesus to the 21st century uh, with social media, because if Jesus had the license of tweet, to tweet, uh, to, to, to license to message things, we'd get really weird things where someone was like, hey, oh well, guys, my grandmother died, and Jesus like posting back, hey, let the dead bury their dead, period, boom, and just be like just, you know, outrage comments, um, just things said that just don't make sense. There's like... You know, a guy's like, hey, I beat up this dude in a bar fight. And Jesus would have been like, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. You know, and be like, done. Um, But Jesus had these phrases that were meant to be alarming and and very much like a comedian. Uh, As a comedian, I love what Richard Pryor says is... uh, I'm quoting all kinds of people today, um, Richard Pryor, Emily Dickinson, they'll just keep going, um, but but he says that, you know, that, that the art of comedy is that to make you angry, but you're not angry at it because you're laughing so hard, and then the fact that, like, the, the, what happens is, like, weeks later, you begin to, like, resonate with that anger, and that anger begins to change you or affect you, and so Jesus was doing these with similar kind of art form with these parables. Um, I think if Jesus were to have a gifted you know, today, it's like, he'd put, like, this picture up, you know, and like, here, here's what the kingdom of God is. And, you know, it's this. It's a mustard seed, you know. And you're like, what? And, like, these little seeds, these mustard seed was the smallest of seeds uh, that, that you could find in that time. Um, and so this parable uh, that we're looking at today is like two parables. Uh, the first one talks about a man that, uh, a sower who sows his seed and just just starts sowing it generously. Uh, he's just, uh, if you put back the slide, the f- verse 26 back up, it says that the, that the kingdom of God is like this man that should just scatter the seed on the ground and then he just goes to sleep and rises and night and day and then the, the, the seed just grows. Um, it's this picture that God is like this sower that's just this extravagantly wasteful sower. <laughs> like if we, we stop there, we would think that the rest of the parable would, would say that, like, and this guy was disciplined because he wasn't very thoughtful. He wasn't very uh, uh, calculating. He wasn't very efficient. Like our God is not actually a, efficient God. I love what what Ross said, like the fact that he uses imperfect people. Um, God has the wisdom. There's no wisdom that could match God's wisdom. There's no strength in the world that can match God's strength, but yet somehow in God's way, uh, he chooses to use people like you and me, uh, imperfect people. He's not very efficient, otherwise he would (laughs) do things very much more efficiently and using people like us is not very efficient. But this is what God's like. He's just extravagantly just slinging seed all over the place, and he's hoping that there's a crack that it could fall into. And that's what we looked at these last weeks so of the good soil is the sense that there's a crack that comes in. And today I want to ask you, like, where, where, where is, is, is your life open? Is, your life, is there a crack in your life for, like, the, the seed of God's kingdom to, to fall in? I love what Leonard Cohen says, right? He says that there's a crack in everything. That's how the light comes in, um, that there's a crack in all of us. And that, that, that weird metaphor of, like, us as soil, and um, I love what uh, Wendell Berry, the great agrarian, talks about this this sense that we are um, the, the, the richness of the soil, right? There's this richness of the soil that the first thing when you plant is you start with the soil, and if the soil is rich, it's a place of decay, it's a place of death, it's a place where things die, but if it dies, that's where life happens, and we... Are you? Are you? A, do we have these cracks in our life? Is what he's trying to say. Is there's these cracks where the seed can come in, um, but the good news is, is it's not really about you making sure that there's a crack strategically. God's not like, well, let me, you know, do you have enough space for the seed to fall? No, it's like He's just slinging seed everywhere, so gracious, so generous, like to plant a seed of message into you, to to open your eyes, to, to ha- give you ears and eyes to see. And then the second parable, he says it's like a mustard seed, and when it's grown, um, it becomes larger than all the plants. And I want us to see here um, something I think is often overlooked, is just the social implications of what Jesus is saying, Um, and how the very first hearers would have heard this parable. Now, um, it says that it is like a grain of a mustard seed which was sown, smallest of the seeds, and yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than the garden plants. Now, Again, Jesus is using these kind of similar tactics as a modern-day comedian. Um, this would have been funny. Um, in the, like, Literally, it's like saying, like, and when it becomes its full shrubbery, like this mustard plant becomes this full, in its full shrubbery, um, birds will, like, find comfort in this shrub. And it's meant to be funny because that phrase, all, right here where it says, the birds of the air can make nests in its shade, that was a phrase, an idiom, always used um, to speak of political power all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout biblical literature. Um, go to the next slide, uh, or next verse. And Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, right? King Nebuchadnezzar, you've probably heard of him. Uh, and, and Daniel is interpreting these dreams for Nebuchadnezzar. And he has this dream in which... Uh, he sees this and and, and he says, Daniel, uh, interpret this dream. He says, well, the tree you saw, which grew and became strong and whose branches the birds of the air dwell, it is you, O king. Our greatness has grown and reaches to heavens and your dominion to the ends of the earth. So um, he's saying these large cedar trees of Lebanon, um, that represents you and your kingdom. Um, But then Daniel's going to say that with the rest of the dream, what happens is those those trees are burned down and and fall. And he's like, this is what's going to happen to you. In your empire even though these your citizens are finding comfort in their sh- in your shade right now their your kingdom is going to fall next slide uh ezekiel um god tells ezekiel say hey, say to pharaoh king of egypt into his multitude whom are you like in your greatness does that sound familiar Whom can we compare the kingdom of God to? It's like a mustard seam. Whom are you like in your greatness? Do you see what Jesus is doing here? Behold, Assyria was a cedar, right? Large tree in Lebanon and beautiful branches and forest shade of towering lights. Its top among the clouds, its bows grew large and its branch long. And all the birds of the air made their nest in its bow. But in verse 31, uh, 12, he says, I will give it into the hands of the mighty one of the nations who will have it cut down and left. So what he's doing here is he's, all throughout Old Testament literature, that phrase, Jesus, is, it, it would be hilarious to these people because they would have thought, oh yeah, it's the political reign, it's the Rome that's conquering us and that's kind of integrating and, and, and basically overtaking Judaism. It's the political empire of Rome in which the people find comfort, that we are the birds that find shade. And he goes, you are a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, and you guys are dis- as small as we are. As small as we are, band of disciples, these 12 group of disciples, we're going to raise up in our full shrubbery. <laughs> and, and, and other people who are smaller than we will find comfort in our, in our shade. You see that? So he's subverting the empire, subverting the powers of the time, subverting all that and saying, you know what? Like, we, what the kingdom of God is for is for those who feel small. Like if you feel small, if you feel like you are on the margins, if you feel like you've been rejected because of your faith or you've been rejected because of the lack of your faith. If you feel rejected because of your gender or your class or or your race, if if you are on the margins and you see this kingdom coming in, he goes you're going to you're like the mustard seed. No one sees it right now, but guess what? Like one day there's a promise of hope. One day those who call Jesus Lord, and are in this, as small as we are, these marginalized community, we're going to like then go and help other people who feel small. And we're going to have, give comfort in our, sh- in, in their say. Does that make sense? Is this fall on anybody? Um, do you see that? Do you see the connections? Uh, and so, uh, first this had major uh, social implications as they heard this. But not just social implications, like it was meant to give courage and hope in this small, fragile discipleship community. Um, and I, I think about our church, I think about this group of like, you know, anywhere from 80 to 150 people that come and call this place home. It's like, as small as we are, as, as Christ followers in this city of Chicago, You can feel like we're just so small, right? Like, like, I don't know if you ever like see someone else who's like got a Bible and you're like, oh my gosh, let me talk to you. Are you a Christian? Are you serious? Like, you live in Chicago? And you're like, you just like make this connection, I remember uh, Josh's wife, I don't know if she's here. I remember right when I moved here, like three weeks in, I was on the train. And she's like reading the Bible. I like Snoop. One thing I like to do is snoop on other people's phones on the train as like an anthropologetic thing, like, you know, studying sociology. And she's reading the Bible and she's like, I was like, pretty good book. She's like, yeah, one of the best in the world. And I'm like, and we just started a conversation. Now they're here. Yeah. As small as a mustard seed, right? Uh, I didn't even think about saying that, but it works out. <laughs> Uh, and it's this sense that it's this small seed that we, as a community, as small as we are, can do mighty things, mighty things. That what is what is Bam said in this, one of his posts recently that we we believe this lie that whatever is bigger and popular is true. And, and what Jesus is coming to confront is that that that's that there's a sense that uh, the mustard seed image what it proposes is. Those who are judged as simple and small and meaningless and on the margins will be the ones to grow up and for those on the margins to find shade. And this should give us great patience, that Jesus lets us know that any change that happens in his kingdom will not be quick and it will not be triumphant. Like Jesus was not a very self-sufficient man. He was not a very efficient person. It's rather what happens is the seed finds the right soil and trusting that seed will grow, maintaining faith that the small seed will be raised up And this hope, because the results of Jesus' kingdom ministry, this was so important at this time, because you got to remember, what is going on in Jesus' ministry? His family just betrayed him, chapter Uh, 3. He's been driven out of cities. He's been hunted down by scribes and authorities, and the seed is being sown. He's saying, hey, guys, disciples, you fragile community, like, this kingdom will one day grow. Like, this is the seed, and the gospel comes in seed form. It comes in seed form. I mean, when you look at the scriptures, and like even though... They live in a time of slavery, like you see the writings subverting slavery and saying, hey, slaves, obey your masters, but what does he do? Paul writes things that would never have been said before. Hey, masters, treat your slaves with honor and dignity as if you would want to be treated. No one's writing that because the, the gospel's coming in seed form. There's little seeds being planted that one day in a trajectory will result towards God's kingdom on display that heaven is coming to earth, and Jesus is saying heaven's already broken in. But the challenge that we live in today, personally, even though it has social implications, is personally, like, we we have bought into the cedar tree vision that disciples us. The cedar tree vision that disciples us. And I I think it's interesting that we, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's, do you guys ever, like, uh, pause for a moment and realize we're not as spontaneous, creative individuals as much as we think we are? Sometimes they, oh, I'm so creative, you know, I'm going to roll my socks up, pants up right here, so it shows my socks, and I'm going <laughs> to, you know. no, I'm not creative, I'm just buying into the social vision of the good life of people are making millions of dollars, the fact that we as human beings are far more predictable than we think we are. That we are formed and shaped by little nudges and notifications, and most of us we live these lives as if we're like, "Oh, my life is like, all oh, rock and roll. I'm, I'm an individual, and I'm going to do what I want." But we're really shaped by the wishes and desires of t- shareholders of tech companies, and then we're shaped by visions that we grab a hold to, and um, other kind of seeds that get into our vision. And what I, I, I think sometimes we we we. This gets into our spirituality, that we think that the Christian life has to always be something bigger and better and, and huge. That, that we have to do something for Jesus that has to be big and better, and we have to change the world. But some of us has never even changed a diaper. <laughs> that, we, that we were like, oh, I'm going to go change the world. <laughs> You've never even served in the nursery at your church. I mean, it's like you, and what Jesus is saying is as small as we are, it's the faithful things. It's showing up to the potluck. It's changing the kid's diaper. It's being present to your spouse. It's listening, giving a listening ear. It's grieving with those who grieve and mourning with those who mourn. It's saying, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for you will inherit the kingdom of God. It's doing the small, tangible things. It's being faithful to those things. And Jesus is saying, I want to put the seed in you. And so I want to talk about two things that I think we've been discipled in, um, that have been discipled by the cedar tree vision of life. And the first thing that I think we're discipled by, that keep, that the, the thing that keeps us from seeing the seeds, that God is just spreading all over your life. He's spreading seeds of his kingdom everywhere. But the things that keep us from seeing is we've been discipled by disappointment far more than we've been dis- discipled by Jesus. I, I, we've been discipled by disappointment. I, it's kind of this trampling effect on our hearts. Um, I was meeting with, with a guy uh, this week who's, who's not a believer, and he was like, you know, I, I, I lived in this other country, and my dad moved to America, and he told me that America's going to be great, and, I'm, and, and he, all he wanted to do was be with his dad. And he's like, I just want to be with my dad, but he, my dad was like, well, I'm here to make a better life for you, and America's going to be amazing when you get here. His whole life, he had this vision in his head of what would happen when he gets to America. He's going to have all this time with his dad. It's going to be the best life ever. It's going to be a good life. And he gets there, and it's just filled with disappointment. And we take those moments in life, and we we then project those onto God. It reminds me of, like, another person in our community says when he was a kid, one of the first moments of disappointment was... All the cool kids were like laughing and he was trying to fit in and someone handed him a piece of bubble gum and he was so excited that he was accepted into the group. He was accepted finally. Say, like These people are welcoming. It was an empty bubble gum wrapper. The empty bubble gum wrapper trick. Built, rejected, discipled by disappointment. And so we have this trampling effect in our heart because we've let other things, um, we, we don't really have any filters of what's discipling us. We don't really have any kind of boundaries of what we're being discipled by and so everything that we get access to is the anything we're advertised to is is shaping us and it's a trampling effect on our heart in which we are disappointed and so we're letting someone else other than God tell us the telos of our life some other person or some other thing tell us the finality that that doesn't even have our best interest in mind that just wants to use us for their telos their final vision um, it reminds me of uh, this story in uh, Mark Sayers wrote a book called *Facing Leviathan*. Um, it is a story by a French author named *The, P- the Persian Affair*. I don't—some of you may have had to read it in school. Um, but there's this woman, and she's living in the French countryside. And she's uh, she's she's had all the life that she can live. Her life now is eking with m- monotony and mundane, and she's um, she feels like basically like life is just the the constant rigmarole of like going through the motions and just like. Living life, just the mundane things, right? Just the same thing over and over again. And she's excited that li- the life she's living, it could be better, and she's dreaming of this better future in life in Paris. And this life in Paris that she's been advertised to by 18th century uh, FOMO that begins to set in. Right. <laughs> and so she's sitting there, and she's laying in her bed, and her husband is snoring next to her. And And, she, and she's just like, Wants to just get up and leave and go to Paris, so she does. She gets. She next day she gets up. She goes to Paris, and she's looking for this vision of this 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 um, charming life, these uh, sense of sexual escapades on a whim that people in Paris are living. She gets there, and she uh, it's not there. Like she doesn't see it in the bar. She doesn't see it in the cafe. She's disappointed. It begins to weigh in her heart, and then she f- goes into a. Con- uh, a, a like a shopping store and finds this old man. And he's a celebrity, but he's old. So she begins to flirt with him. He's like, well, he's a celebrity. She flirts with him and she throws herself towards him to attract him. And um, he wines and dines her and he takes her to this beautiful theater. And she's sitting on the front balcony and she's like excited. Look at all the people who are with me. Look at all the, I bet you they're wondering like, who is this woman that's with this celebrity? And she goes home and, and, and they end up going home and, and going home into that night, and she wakes up with him the next morning, and he's just sitting there snoring. And, and, and she realizes that this, this trampling effect on her heart, and I think we, we do that with God, that it's like we, we've been so sold uh, a bill of goods, we've been told that Christianity, if you come to Jesus, it'll fix your life, it'll do everything, it'll make everything amazing. But don't look under the hood, because there's no engine in what I'm trying to sell you. Um, and j- Jesus' way is not going to fix your life. Like, he's not, not going to automatically just poof, bam, everything's better, but I will tell you he is worth it. That His way of living is worth it. As small as we are, and as small as the kingdom is, his way is worth it. And the second thing I think we're, we're discipled by is, is um, we're st- discipled by a, a live, basically like ideas without action. Um, we have a lot of ideas without action, and I think this is a place in Chicago that we are particularly bombarded with a lot of ideas and um, very little action. And you think about this, like Judas, and with the disciples, like he heard the greatest invitation of his entire life to follow Jesus. He heard all the ideas. But somehow a vision of 30 shekels of silver or some other kind of notoriety got a hold of his heart and... and and there was a there was a lot of ideas of the kingdom of God around him, but there was no action. You think about uh, just this is such a Chicago issue that we live in a time where it's so easy for us to get stuck in um, Neil Postman and amusing ourselves to death. He, it kind of he sends this kind of notion that the medium is the message. You've heard that phrase. I, th- I don't know if he came up with it or somebody else. Does anybody know? Anyway, the medium is the message, right? Like the message and the way you're receiving it the medium shapes you so much more and just as much as the message. And um, there's this relationship between the medium and how the message is received. And so I was just scrolling today, like this week through my feed, and you just think about this. Like, what do we do? you are like, okay, political tensions, tariffs in Mexico and China. My friend's on vacation in Boca, Boca Boca, and the pictures look amazing. The Cubs win. Someone spreads feces all over cars in Bridgetown, Bridgeport. Uh, there's my aunt just dyed her hair Um, look at my baby it's so cute he just turned two okay uh, there's a funny skit on SNL click here Um, okay the refugees are still fleeing war zones someone just set a fire in Arizona and spread 7,000 acres and I just stopped there and within a minute all those things just rushed and all that information just rushed into my head and, and I click on any of those bombarding messages, whether it's like some of the bad things or the good things, it, we're being discipled to be unresponsive, is what my point is. That we're being discipled by our world to be unresponsive to things. They're like, All right, I forgot about the fires, and you know, even though, yeah, I could do something about the man in Bridgesport maybe, and go down there, and it's, you know my aunt's hair looks good but then you know that I could I could talk look at the cubs you know like I mean just like we, and we leave and we're just nothing and we, we're just completely unresponsive and we that same kind of discipleship comes into the church where it's like I want to hear the most compelling and shortest sermon ever <laughs> i want I want to be I want to and and I, I want to you know I don't want to have to s- let it sink down I want to just be told what to do I want to go home and feel a lot better about myself. And, and so I, I pray that today that, um, that you're just more aware. Like the result of this is just like you're more aware of the seed that's being spread so generously around you. And so, what, what is our response to this parable? Just a few things. First thing I want to encourage you with that are s- truths in this parable is this. Uh, next slide. Have you forgotten God's patience with you? <laughs> patience. Have you forgotten God's patience? Like this parable of the mustard seed, did you notice it doesn't say anything about our tilling, about the soil, about getting it ready, about the soil being. It just says that the parable of God's like a mustard seed and then it grows. The man sowing the seed is slinging seed everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Pam. It's. Like. I will just feed back off you. Like Kendrick Lamar said, that Jesus has the nerve of Nazareth to march into these authority figures, and to say these things about the powers that be, and say it's going to be the small and those on the margins, and it's going to be those that like God's like been that, that have forgotten God's patience. It's those like who right here in this room feel like you are spiritually inequipped because you look at other people, pastors like me, or other people, you just feel so spiritually small. You feel so judged. I feel so rejected by the Christian community because you're not Christian enough or this enough or this. And it's like this, this anxiety that comes upon you. And that God's word is to you is like, hey, like, relax, enjoy the journey. Like, enjoy my invitation. Like, I'm so patient with you. Like, this guy that I was meeting with, he, he, he met with me and he went on and on about how he used to believe and now, now he's, he, he doesn't believe. And he, he just kept going on. And I was like, he was so anxious about figuring it out. And I just read this parable reminded me of the like the wheat and the tares. And Jesus says, hey, when the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the weeds are growing, don't pull up the weeds, because you'll pull out the wheat. And my encouragement to him and to you is like, hey, be patient with yourself. Like, don't be such a harsh judge on your growth with God. Don't be such a harsh judge on yourself and others. This is what this parable is about: that God's seed is going to grow. Like it's going to grow in you. Like we don't. There's no anxiety in this sower at all. And God has no anxiety about your journey and whether you're going to like get it or not. And He's saying, like, He is so patient with you. He's so gracious to you. Like the crack is there and the seed is planted. And so like, like maybe the, the 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 anxiety of trying to figure out where we are with God is actually the thing that's keeping us from seeing God that the anxiety to, like, figure out, like, I got to seal the deal. I feel like, oh, my gosh, I got to make this happen. It feels so urgent. And if I don't start getting right with God, like, something horrible is going to happen when he hit by a car or something weird theology that we inherited. And, and and God's saying, like, just enjoy the journey with me. Enjoy me. Like, enjoy my presence. Like, I just want to be with you. Like, I'm patient with you. Um, it reminds me, like, my son, um, there's these books, the uh, I can't remember the name of him, but there's these creative books, and it's just a book tons of animals. My son loves to eat, read the, the 10,000 animal book, and it's like all these animals, and I'm like, I don't, I know the book by heart, you know, I know the jaguar has the strongest teeth, and that the, the, the muskox lives in Africa, and that the elephant seal has like this big thing that boils, I could recite the whole book to him, and just keep going, going, and he's like, and I was like, you know, and he, he knows all of it now by heart, he can't even read, but he just knows it. I was like, you, you he's like, but I want to read it with you, daddy. And that, that's what God's saying. He's like, "I be patient because my seed is with you. My kingdom is with you. And be patient with yourself. Have you forgotten God's patience is with you? Have you forgotten that he's patient? That the Holy Spirit is... is in that, that parable of, the, of the, the wheat and the tares, and there's times where I've looked at my life and wanted to be so efficient, so productive, so improving myself that I've liked tried to work on the messy weeds of my life and actually mess things up that I tried to improve it myself or tried to fix it myself that God's like hey like actually like if you would just be patient and let me do the work for you isn't that good news (laughs) It's so good news that's the message of the kingdom so like have you forgotten how God's patient with you guys like you with little kids like this is the hardest worst time of your life and best all at the same time can I just encourage you that like taking care of little kids will produce the same sacrificial love as praying will? That like you're like, oh gosh, I don't pray enough. I don't, I don't get in the word enough. I don't, and you're like so upset. And, like I just don't have what I had. And like God's like saying, hey, the kingdom of God is a mustard seed. Your child is that seed that's planted in your life and it's going to produce the same fruit. The same fruit. So relax and enjoy me and see me in new ways. Second thing. Um, that I, I want to ask you, or a statement, or remind myself: God is extravagantly wasteful, spreading seed generously. Just want you to know that God is extravagantly wasteful, spreading seed generously. Oh, that's so good news! And as I said before, that is there a crack enough, small enough? Pay attention to the cracks. Um, are we listening? Are we listening to the suffering of our lives, the dirt? Are, are we paying attention to the dirt that we are, the kind of soil that we are? Um, is it? Is it? Do we? Are we paying attention to the death in our soil, the the the, the dying and the decaying, so that we could actually see life come about? And so uh, the good news is like, hey, if you feel like you're dying, if you feel like you're struggling, like that is the that is the good news of this parable. It's in the struggle. It's in the waiting. It's in the season. It's in the fact that he's saying, you're, you're a seed, and you're going to become a great sequoia tree one day. And this is, it's, it, but God is spreading his seed so extravagantly, so wastefully, like you don't have to fear that you're going to miss out on him, because he's just going to keep, keep pursuing you, keep showing you himself, keep showing you images and visions of him it may not even come through something mystical it may come from a friend that's face to face and you're some of you are looking for God in such like mystical ways and yes he does do that but sometimes man he just shows up in like a friend's face in the small little ways um it reminds me when I like I got like this stomach issue a while back and couldn't figure out what it was and you know had a had 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 it checked out and just kind of went away and, and and I was fine and you know, I started to realize, oh, I should probably take probiotics. And then I realized, hey, like, I can just start eating fermented food. I just eat pickle, a pickle a day and save my money on the probiotics. I know some of you health freaks will say, no, that's not right. But, hey, that's what I'm doing, okay? So, um, and, and I just thought about, like, the power is in the fermentation. The power of that is in the, like, the waiting and the fermenting. Like, God is fermenting something in you. He's planting a seed in you. And he's, like, growing it and, like, be patient with yourself. Be patient with what God is doing. So can we listen to the suffering of our lives for the love of God? And then second, can we listen to the suffering of others to extend the love of God? Will we shrink back and get in this loop of disappointment, perfectionism, and unresponsiveness? Or will we allow the seed to disrupt our lives? Will we allow it to see us? And it's not this scarcity mindset that you have to get it just right and maximize your potential it's the fact that there's a, there's a seed going everywhere, and the good news is it's going to be a rampant harvest. He said the harvest is going to come. You're going to grow into your full shrubbery. <laughs> and and, and, and um, I think Wisconsin has an invasive mustard plant of some sort. Any Wisconsin people can confirm that? I'm not sure. I don't know if it's the same plant Jesus was talking about, but th- it's going to run rampant. The mustard seed becomes a frenzy of growth. So, lastly, the last question, just want to close with this is what seeds have been planted in your heart? What are the seeds that God has already planted in your heart that He's producing, that He's, he's, he's that's there that you need to tend to? Um, there's this guy named Count Zinzendorf. Zinzendorf. What a name, right? 18th century dude, young guy found the Moravians that led to a 100-year prayer revival. Before that, he's like, I'm going to create the order of the mustard seed. Imagine that, like, and your buddy's like, hey, we're going to create this order, this, what do you, no, I'm already part of the order of the mustard seed. Um, We're just, and basically their vision was to be true to Jesus, true to yourself, be kind to others, and spread the kingdom. And they began to just gather and just shape each other's prophetic vision for their life and shape, like, what is the thing that God's put in you? What is the seed that is in your heart? I pray that we as a church would be the, an order of a mustard seed, that we would spur that on in one another. Like, what is the seed that God's put in your heart, that He's, he's birthing? Uh, it reminds me of a story of uh, one of our sister churches, friends of ours, Trinity Grace uh, in, in New York. There's this woman who had a very uh, successful career in New York City, and, and she decided, she just started reading the Bible, and she was like, I just want to. Um, what would happen if I actually just took Jesus' words seriously? What if I actually read them and did what, they, what, what it said? And she decided to, to quit her job, and she, she turned her house into this thing called House on Beekman, which was a place for pregnant teen moms. And and, it became, and then that became a place where there was ministry that happened to these pregnant teen moms, and then they began to disciple um, parents um, from, for, for children from child to, to parenthood. It became an after-school program, and then a summer camp in the middle of Bronx. And this house on Beekman became this, what was just started with a little seed of God saying, hey, what would happen if you actually took my word seriously and just did what it said? That seed planted in her heart. And, and we can look at that story and be like, oh, you know, triumphalism, you know, she went into the Bronx, as this white girl. But she would say different. She would say, actually, like, these people changed me. These people changed my life. These people were good news to me. And I found joy that I never thought I would have because of this so what are the seeds that God's putting in your heart for his kingdom vision what is the what is that that he's shaping and forming I just want to close with this this, this this reflect on Jesus's life and how he fulfills this mustard seed vision here's a man who was born in an obscure village the child of a peasant woman he grew up in another village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born. He never did one of the the things that usually accompanies greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, The tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, his coat. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. And 19 long centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race and a leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever ever reigned put together have not affected the life of of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. So what will you do with your one wild and precious life? You pay attention to the seeds that are coming all again and again. And when you miss it, good news, there's more seeds coming. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I I thank you for this this message. I thank you that what you're doing is shaping in us. Um, I pray that uh, you would, for those who have ears, would you let them hear. And for us as a community, I just want to pray for a couple of people in this community. And we just want to do some time of ministry to one another and be free in this place to, to, to respond. To be discipled by Jesus, not unresponsiveness. And I, I don't, there's no manipulation here. If that's not, if you don't, if nothing's settling in your heart, then don't make some weird response. Um, but I want to pray for those who, who who've been, have, have, have been a harsh judge on their own walk with God. Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is to actually love yourself. We should love God as we love ourselves. We should love ourselves. And that's you, if that's like, hey, um, I've been struggling with just being so hard on myself, much harder than Jesus would ever want me to be and much harder than he, he's not that hard on me. He's, he's, He's extravagant. I just pray for you. Um, I, I don't really know how to ask you to respond to that. Maybe you just want to stand or raise your hand, whatever you want to do, or make eye contact with me. I just want to pray for you. If you're like, I've been very hard on myself, um, way harder than I need. I need to seek God's patience with me in this season. That My season will come, that he will plant the seed in my heart. He will grow it, yes. God, we pray for the men and women in this room, your children That you are God's beloved child, and He is well pleased with you. He is patient, He is slow to anger, He is compassionate. That's the place that God's seed is coming to be planted, to bring renewal and life and joy, joy that is not of this world, joy that cannot be comprehended. May it be so, Jesus, in your name. Second, like others of you, like I, I want to pray for those that there is this um, very clear seed of God's kingdom work in your life, that there's this a vision that God has placed in your life to, to, to love Him and to love other people, to love those on the margins, to love those that don't know Him, and He's planted the seed and you are beginning to be discipled by disappointment in that seed, and you're beginning to be discipled by unresponsiveness. But you know God has planted the seed. And it is a vision that God's given you, but yet you're in a place of feeling stuck in that, and I just want to pray for you that God would give to you. Would you just stand up, raise your hand, any of those things? Thank you. God, we thank you that you've, you've spoken. We thank you that you have met these men and women and that you've shown them your ways. You've shown them the kingdom of God, the vision of the good life, which is through practicing your way, Jesus, to be with you, to do what you did, ministry, God. We thank you that you've called them. We thank you that you've placed the seed in their heart, Lord. May they not grow weary and lose hope. May they not grow weary in doing good. May they, may they practice care and cycles of self-care and Sabbath rest. May you give them patience with themselves that they only have one life on this earth, not two. And may you just let them know that you love them all the same. God, may you give them boldness and courage to step out in faith. Faith to see that you're already breaking through blades of grass. You're already, um, there's blades of grass all around them. There's already sprouts that they're not noticing. Would you please, Lord, let them just be encouraged by the good work you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, guys. You guys can
0: stand to your feet. We're going to sing, worship respond to him. There's communion to my right, your left, as Jesus, as we described, gave his life. He lived a life that we could never live, died the death we could never die. He gathered his little fragile disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. This is the, my blood spilled for you. Come as long as you gather, take and eat in remembrance of me. Remember how good I am. Taste